Rado, for what you're paying just in rent in New York City or San Francisco. The cost of homes, food, taxes, and so on differ wildly depending on where you live. Our country our world is one of boundless opportunity waiting for you to explore. So why not take off the blinders just for a moment to consider what life could be like if you lived in a new city or town? Are you freezing your butt off in the Midwest winters, or battling the heat of the summer in Atlanta, wondering year after year why you don't hoof it to a better climate? As a native son of Southern California, I'm always amazed by people who spend their lives freezing to death in the Arctic tundra of Minneapolis or Chicago. And even if you don't care about the weather, you've got to care about your cost of living. A million-dollar home in Washington, D.C., costs a fraction of that in Raleigh, North Carolina a city rated as the third best place for business and careers by Forbes, not to mention a high-tech and educational hub that also has great weather. Or what about something more local, a move from San Francisco to San Diego? You can stay in the great state of California and still cut your housing costs by 32%. It's one thing to be tax-efficient in your investments, it's another to be tax-efficient in your life. You're trying to save 5% here, 10% there. What about saving 10% or 15% or more in everything you do by moving to a less expensive city or a tax-friendly state? Think about all the additional money you'd have to invest, share, donate if it didn't go straight to rent, food, or transportation. One single move could give you a 10% to 30% increase in your income. If you're already saving 10%, with a move you now can save 20% to 40% without spending an additional dime. This change in your savings rate will put some rocket fuel in your money machine that will massively improve the pace at which you achieve financial freedom. I know what you're going to say, move to a new city. You've got to be crazy, Tony. I can't just pick up and move. I have a job, I have family, I have friends, I've lived my whole life in Dallas or Seattle or Miami Miami or Denver. But if you saw that you could save 10 years of your investing life, reach your financial freedom goals a decade sooner, or even more, might it be worth it? Generations of Americans have looked at retirement as a time to pick up and move to a warmer climate, a less expensive city, or to a beautiful, low-key place like Boise, Idaho, or Greenville, South Carolina, to breathe clean air and enjoy the outdoors. But why wait until retirement? Why not change your zip code today? Why not find a place to raise your family that allows you to reduce your cost of living and elevate your quality of life at the same time, while you're young enough for both you and your children to reap the rewards? If you're still shaking your head no, I get it. I was with you on this one, actually until recently. I grew up in California and never imagined living anywhere else. Even when I started traveling extensively and buying homes and properties all over the world, California was always my home base. Then in 2012 California raised taxes on the highest income earners by more than 30% to 13.3%. After a lifetime of paying through the nose on state income taxes, historically among the most punishing in the country, the tax situation got even worse. My effective tax rate after federal and state income taxes, social security, investment taxes, payroll taxes, and the Obamacare tax shot up to 62%. That meant I was left with 38 cents on every dollar. Just 38 cents. And on top of that, the new state income tax increase was made retroactive, meaning that I was going to have to pay additional tax on income one had already earned that year. They changed the rules of the game after the fact. I had reached my limit this was outrageous. Because of my travel and the time I spent in my other homes, I was living in California for only 90 days out of the year. Just 90 days for literally a multi-million dollar state tax bill? California was no longer sustainable for me I'd had enough. I had played by the rules and the rules had come back to bite me. But instead of feeling sorry for myself, I voted with my conscience, or with my feet, I should say. Along with thousands of others, Sage and I realized we were no longer welcome in California. So we decided to take the plunge and look for a new place to live. In fact, California has lost over $30 billion in annual income tax revenue over the last two decades to states such as Nevada, 
Arizona, Texas, and Wisconsin. If you want to see how big this trend is and how many people are moving from high-tax to low-tax states, we turned it into a kind of treasure hunt. We looked at places like Lake Tahoe, where we really liked the mountains, the mix of seasons, and the small-town vibe, and Austin, Texas, where music, energy, and high-tech come together to create the fabric of an innovative and connected community. We looked at Florida too, reluctantly. All I knew of Florida were alligators and old people. But that's the stereotype, not the reality. What we found instead was a paradise in Palm Beach. After looking at 88 properties in three states in just three weeks, I told you I'm a massive action guy, we found the only brand new home on the water in Palm Beach. Two acres, nearly 200 feet of ocean frontage on one side, and the Atlantic Intracoastal Waterway on the other, with a 50-foot boat dock. I feel like I'm back in my home in Fiji it's extraordinary. Sage has everything she wants close by, world-class restaurants, shopping, easy access to the entire East Coast, and all the privacy and serenity of living on an island right here in the United States. Of course, of course, the price tag was way higher than I ever wanted or imagined paying for a home. But Florida has no state income tax. We went from 13.3% state income tax in California to nothing nada, zip. So here's the kicker, with the state taxes we're saving every year, we are literally paying off our entire new home in six years. Did you catch that? We're paying for our entire home out of the tax savings we now get as residents of the Sunshine State instead of the Golden State. Kind of makes you think we should have done it sooner, huh? Better late than never. And if that weren't enough, which it is, we've massively improved our quality of life and the bargain. Every day we pinch ourselves as we wake up with magnificent weather, 78 degrees with a cool breeze off the ocean and water you can melt into, it's so warm. In fact, Sage and I have become almost evangelical in our enthusiasm for our new home, we tell friends and family to think about moving down to Palm Beach to join us. My youngest son has already moved here. Two of my dearest friends in the world are on their way down from Connecticut and New York, and they're here to stay. And of course, even if they decided not to move here, we would have happily taken our tax savings and flown them all out here to visit us in paradise anyway. So whether or not you decide to join us in Palm Beach, there's a new zip code out there that might be just right for you. You don't have to wait for retirement to get there. From Nashville, Tennessee, to Portland, Oregon, and from Augusta, Maine, to an Arbor, Michigan, there are hundreds of affordable havens for young and old alike, retirees looking to stretch their savings and continue to enjoy a rich, rewarding lifestyle, and young professionals looking to jumpstart or reimagine their careers. Check out U.S. News & World Report's feature on the best places to live for as little as $75 a day. Also seriously consider the seven states where there's no state income tax at all, Alaska, Florida, Nevada, South Dakota, Texas, Washington, and Wyoming. Or try Tennessee and New Hampshire, where only your dividend and interest income are taxed at the state level. The Memphis and Nashville music scenes and more money in your pocket how bad does that sound? Give your globe a spin. And while we're at it, why not think all the way outside the box on this one? Forget just a 10% to 20% increase in your spending power, how about cutting your cost of living by a third or in half? Get out your globe and give it a spin and think about some of the beautiful and beautifully affordable places you could live if only you expanded your horizons. There are huge opportunities all over the world to improve your lifestyle and lower your expenses in places such as Bali, Fiji, Uruguay, Costa Rica if you have the courage and the freedom to go for it. You can rent an extraordinary apartment in the mountains outside of Buenos Aires, Argentina, for a fraction of what it would cost for a studio walk-up in a major U.S. city. You can move to the Czech Republic and find a room just off Wenceslas Square in Prague's new town area, the heart of the city's cultural community. Remember my BMW-loving son? After he traded in his fancy wheels for a chance at a be better lifestyle, he decided to think really big. He went down to Costa Rica for a couple of days and was completely blown away by the extraordinary culture. 
Turns out there is a huge English-speaking community in Costa Rica tons of expats who discovered their money went a lot further down there, their days were a little richer, their nights more exciting. And Costa Rica isn't just a place to relax and unwind. Some of our leading companies have established important bases of operations there. Procter & Gamble, Heinz, Microsoft, Intel the list goes on and on, which means there are countless career opportunities available. Life can be an adventure. Take a trip and explore a foreign city with an eye toward moving there. Turn your next vacation into a fact-finding expedition, where the endgame is to try on a whole new way of life. You don't have to live in a box and go through the same motions each and every day. You don't have to worry about making your rent or covering your basic expenses if you open yourself up to the idea of massive change. Lift yourself from your comfort zone and spend 60%, 70%, even 80% less money, getting you to your goal of financial freedom that much faster. And while you're at it, improve the quality of your life in an exponential way. Even if a move across the world seems too radical now, think about this option over the long term a 5-year plan, or a 10-year plan, or maybe a retirement plan. Why not at least open yourself to the idea that there's a beautiful and affordable place out there waiting to be discovered? Our world is dynamic it's changing constantly. The idea that a move would be bad for your kids is a thing of the past. We live in a global economy. What an amazing experience to give your kids an opportunity to see the world, learn a new language, adapt to a new culture. You can make a family decision about creating a better quality of life for everyone. Life is like a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. Albert Einstein, at the end of the day, it's all about being more efficient and more effective with your earnings and your savings and speeding up your path to financial freedom. You can find a way to improve the quality of your life while reducing your cost of living simultaneously. It's the ultimate win-win. At the end of the day, the best investment you can make is the one you make in yourself and your lifestyle. Wow, you've taken three giant steps toward financial freedom. Step 1. You've made the most important financial decision of your life. You've decided to become an investor, not merely a consumer. You've committed a percentage of your income to save and invest in your freedom fund, and you've automated it. Step 2. You've become an insider who knows the rules of the game. You've debunked the nine myths, and you'll never be taken advantage of again. Step 3. You've made the game winnable. You know exactly how much money it will take for you to achieve financial security, independence, or freedom. You know your three to thrive, your short-term, medium-term, and long-term goals. Goals. You've come up with an initial financial plan and a timeline for achievement. You've used the app to calculate approximately how long it will take you to meet financial goals you're most committed to. You've reviewed the five ways to speed up your plan. Ideally, you've begun to brainstorm ways to apply these insights to sock away more money or keep more money in your financial freedom fund. This can help you reach your cherished financial goals even quicker. So what's next? Step 4 answers the obvious question that's probably burning in your mind, where do I put my money? What specific investments will maximize my upside and protect me against the downside? It's time to make the most important investment decision of your life. It's time to learn the power of asset allocation. Section 4. Make the most important investment decision of your life. Chapter 4.1. The Ultimate Bucket List, Asset Allocation. Never test the depth of the river with both feet. Warren Buffett. Say you've got your money machine cranking, your boss just gave you an unexpected $10,000 bonus, or perhaps you suddenly came into a $100,000 inheritance. What would you do with it? Would you put it in your savings account or your IRA? Invest in a virtual pocket full of Bitcoin? Bid on a case of vintage wine on eBay? Fly to Vegas and bet it all on a roll of the dice? Or maybe buy 100 shares of Apple stock? Would you put it all in one place or spread it around? The answer to that last question is the key to your financial future. 
Asset allocation is the most important investment decision of your lifetime, more important than any single investment you're going to make in stocks, bonds, real estate, or anything else. What's the difference? Well, the financial decisions you've already already made to automatically invest a percentage of your income for compound returns gets you in the game. But once you decide to get in the game, now you've got to stay in the game for the long term. You can lose it all if you aren't careful about where you put your money. Anybody can become wealthy, asset allocation is how you stay wealthy. But don't just take it from me. Listen to David Swenson, the rock star of institutional investing. Remember, he's the guy who grew Yale's portfolio from $1 billion to more than $23.9 billion by achieving a 13.9% average annual return across three decades of bear and bull markets. Nobody does it better. When I sat down with him in his office in New Haven, Connecticut, I asked, what are the most important insights investors must have to achieve financial freedom? He told me that there are only three tools for reducing your risk and increasing your potential for financial success. 1. Security selection stock picking. 2. Market timing short-term bets on the direction of the market, and 3. Asset allocation your long-term strategy for diversified investing. Before I could even ask about the first two, he made one thing perfectly clear, overwhelmingly, the most important of the three is asset allocation he said. It actually explains more than 100% of returns in the investment world. Wait a second, how could it be more than 100%? Because those fees, taxes, and losses that come along with stock picking and market timing put a drag on your profits. Asset allocation is more than diversification. It means dividing up your money among different classes or types of investments, such as stocks, bonds, commodities, or real estate and in specific proportions that you decide in advance, according to your goals or needs, risk tolerance, and stage of life. Wow, that's a mouthful, isn't it? Yet it's the key to success or failure for the world's best financial players, including every single one of the investors and traders I interviewed for this book. Paul Tudor Jones swears by it. Mary Callahan Erdos, perhaps the most powerful woman on Wall Street, leads 22,000 financial professionals whose livelihoods depends on it. Ray Dalio, who founded the largest hedge fund in the world and is now worth $14 billion personally, lives it. This chapter takes a complex subject and makes it simple enough for you to act on and positively affect your investment returns for the rest of your life, so give it your full commitment and focus. It doesn't matter if you have only $1,000 that you're going to save and invest or $1 million. The principles you're about to learn are critical to start applying immediately. If you think you know them already, it's time to take them to the next level. Let's talk about why asset allocation is so crucial to your investment plan and how you can start making it work for you today. Anyone who thinks there's safety in numbers hasn't looked at the stock market pages. Irene Peter How many times have you picked what looks like the fastest line at the grocery store, but it turns out to be the slowest? Or how often do you switch to the fast lane in a traffic jam and watch the cars in the slow lane was past you? You think you're getting there faster, and then you're wrong. And what about intimate relationships? In spite of how much you know about yourself and what you believe and value, have you ever chosen the wrong partner? We all know that decision can have an extraordinary impact on the quality of your life. The same thing can happen with your investments. Except that when you make mistakes with your nest egg, if it's too big a mistake, it's all over. It can mean losing your home. Or still looking for work when you're 70. Or having no money for your children's education. That's why this chapter is so important. Asset allocation is the one key skill that can set you apart from 99% of all investors. And guess what? It won't cost you a dime. David Swenson likes to quote Harry Markowitz, the Nobel Prize, winning father of modern portfolio theory, to whom I also reached out to interview for this book. He said famously, diversification is the only free lunch. Why? Because spreading your money across different investments decreases your risk, increases your upside returns over time, and doesn't cost you anything. 
We've all heard the old adage don't put all your eggs in one basket. Well, asset allocation protects you from making that financial mistake. It sounds like such a basic rule, but how many people do you know who violate it? I have a friend who got so excited about Apple that he put all his money in the company. For a while, it was the most successful stock in the world until it dropped by 40% in a matter of weeks. Ouch. Then there's another friend who was in her 30s when she quit her job as a television executive, sold her house in Los Angeles at the height of the real estate market boom, and used the money to open a rustic diner in Wyoming. She invested what was left in high-risk stocks and junk bonds, thinking the interest would provide enough income to support her. And it did for a while. But the stock market crash of 2008 wiped out her entire savings. She had to fold up her teepee and go back to work as a freelancer for a fraction of what she used to make. We've all heard horror stories from the economic meltdown. Maybe you know some baby boomers who had all their money tied up in real estate before the bottom fell out. Or a couple who were ready to retire with their 401k full and their target date funds about to mature. They had the RV picked out, the boat in the driveway, the itinerary drawn up with visits to the grandkids marked out. Then the financial world unraveled. Their net worth was cut nearly in half, and their dream of retirement turned into 20 more years of work. These stories are heartbreaking, and I want to make sure nothing like that ever happens to you. And the good news is, it never has to. That's why I wrote this chapter, so that you'll not only be protected, but also can grow your nest egg faster. What's the simple and core investment lesson here? What goes up will come down. Ray Dalio told me point blank that in your lifetime it's almost certain that whatever you're going to put your money in, there will come a day when you will lose 50% to 70%. Yikes! That means any investment you pick is going to lose half to two-thirds or more of its value. And don't most people typically favor one type of investment because they feel they know more about that area, or because it's currently providing a hot return? Return Some people tend to put all their money in real estate, others in stocks, bonds, or commodities. If you don't diversify enough, you stand to lose your shirt. Are you hearing me? No matter how well you plan, there will be a day of reckoning for every type of asset. So, diversify or die. But if you diversify well, you'll win. By now I'm sure you're crystal clear about the consequences of not diversifying. Now would you like to hear about the incredible impact of the right diversification? It's almost like having a license to print money. I know that's an exaggeration, but imagine what it would feel like if you knew you were making money while you sleep, and that your diversification gave you true peace of mind regardless of the economic climate. Here's a real example. How would you feel if, in that DEFCON environment of 2008, when stock markets were losing more than $2 trillion, bonds were tanking, and real estate was falling through the floor, you could have had an asset allocation where your maximum loss was just 3.93%. This example is not a fantasy. This is the power of asset allocation that I've mentioned several times in this book, and I'm going to demonstrate it to you shortly. Better yet, what if in the last 30 years of your life, between 1984 and 2013, your asset allocation was so powerful that you lost money only four times, with an average loss of just 1.9%, and never more than 3.93%. Remember, everyone else during those three decades was riding the wild wave of inflation and deflation. In the last decade alone, we had two market drops of nearly 50%, yet you would have coasted through the storm without a single gut check and still averaged a compounded annual return of just under 10%. I'm not describing a hypothetical situation. What I'm describing to you is an actual portfolio, a specific asset allocation, designed by Ray Dalio. Soon I'll show you the exact formula that has produced these mind-blowing results. But before you can use it, you have to understand the core principles laid out in this chapter. Rule 1. Don't lose money. Rule 2. See Rule 1. Warren Buffett's Rules of Investing. I can't say it enough, good people often fail because they do the right thing at the wrong time. Buying a house is it the right thing to do. Most experts would say yes, 
but in 2006, it was the wrong time. So the question is, if we're all going to be wrong some of the time, where do we put our money? That's where asset allocation comes in. Here's another way to think about it. When you're trying to build a winning team in sports, you have to know the capabilities of each player. You have to know his strengths and weaknesses. You have to decide who you can count on in different situations. Now, say your portfolio is the team, and your investment choices are the players. Asset allocation helps you choose who starts and at which positions. Ultimately, it's the right mix at the right time that brings you victory. Asset allocation offers you a set of guiding principles, a philosophy of investing to help you decide where to put freedom fund money or your nest egg and in what proportions. Think of it as taking chunks of your money and putting them into two separate investment buckets with different levels of risk and reward. One of these first two buckets is a safe, safe environment for your money, but it's not going to grow very fast there. You might get bored with it, but it's secure, so that when you need it, it's there. The second bucket is sexier, because, because it can give you the opportunity for much quicker growth, but it's risky. In fact, you have to be prepared to lose everything you put in here. So how much goes in each bucket? It depends on how much time you've got to grow your investments, and how much risk you're willing to take. You've got to ask yourself, how much risk can I afford to take at my stage in life? But remember, you're not diversifying just to protect yourself. You want to enhance your results, to find the ideal blend of investments that will make you thrive, not just survive. But hey, if we're willing to admit it, many people have more than enough stress in their daily lives without adding a ton of anxiety worrying about their investments day and night. A significant part of financial security, or even freedom is peace of mind, that feeling that you don't have to think about money. The first bucket will give you certainty in your life, which, after all, is the first basic human need. And that's why I call it the security-slash-peace-of-mind bucket. It's where you want to keep the part of your nest egg you can't afford to lose or even imagine losing without waking up in a cold sweat. It's a sanctuary of safe investments that you lock up tight and then hide the key. I don't gamble because winning $100 doesn't give me great pleasure. But losing $100 pisses me off. Alex Trebek, host of Jeopardy. Taking a financial hit not only lightens our wallets, but also can steal the joy from our lives. Remember that behavioral economics study with the monkeys and the apples? A monkey was happy if he was given an apple. But if he was given two apples, and then one was taken away, he freaked out even though, in the end, he still had an apple. Humans are the same way. Research on human emotion shows that the majority of people around the world underestimate how badly they feel when they lose. The pleasure of our victories is dwarfed by the pain of our failures and our losses. So we all have to set up a security slash peace of mind bucket to protect ourselves from taking the kind of hits that will not only set us back financially, but also will make us miserable. To familiarize you with the kind of investments that are considered a bit more secure, let's look at eight basic types of assets, investment options or resources, that might belong in this security bucket. This is just a sampling. It's not meant to be everything that would fit in this bucket. But as you read, you will notice a pattern, none of these types of investments tends to have extreme volatility meaning that its value doesn't tend to fluctuate much especially compared with things you'll see later in the risk-slash-growth bucket. Although, as we've all experienced, there are short periods in history where virtually all investments have increased volatility. Later Ray Dalio will show us how to prepare for this as well. But this quick list is designed to get you to think about your investments in the future, and give you a feel for what might go here. Ask yourself, before I invest, is this putting me at risk? Is this something I'd be better off having in my risk-slash-growth bucket, or in my security bucket? So let's take a look at what this is all about, starting with the first and perhaps the most important place to put a portion of your money, the security-slash-peace-of-mind bucket. What assets would you want to put in here? Remember, this bucket is the slow but steady contender, like the turtle in the race to financial freedom. Because the turtle often wins. 
And you have to treat it like your sacred temple of savings and investments because what goes in here doesn't come out. And before you go on, bear in mind that the beginning of this chapter has some fundamentals, the blocking and tackling of asset allocation. If you're a sophisticated investor, you can scan through the list of investment options because you probably already know what they are and you can save yourself some time. But I didn't want to leave out anyone. Besides, you might find a distinction or two that you'll find valuable. So let's dive in. 1. Cash slash cash equivalents. At some time in our lives, every one of us will need a cushion to cover our needs in case of an emergency or a sudden loss of income. No matter your income level, you need some liquidity or instant access to cash. Is it possible to be rich in assets and feel poor because you don't have cash or liquidity? A lot of people were caught short in 2008 when the banks froze up and stopped lending, even to one another, and real estate seemed impossible to sell. In fact, according to a 2011 study, half of all Americans would struggle to come up with $2,000 in a crisis such as an unexpected medical bill, legal cost, or home or car repair. So you need some cash to make sure that doesn't happen to you. Think about it, it wouldn't take a lot of focus or a lot of savings for you to be better off than more than half of America. But once you've decided how much cash you need to have on hand, where do you keep it? Most of us choose bank accounts that are insured by the FDIC for balances of up to $250,000. Unfortunately, brick-and-mortar banks pay almost no interest these days the last time I checked, some were as low as 0.01%, while online banks have been offering slightly higher rates. Maybe not ideal, but at least we know the money is safe and available. You also may want to keep some of that cash in a safe place or for safety near your home you know, under your mattress in a hidden safe in case there's an earthquake or hurricane or some other kind of emergency, and the ATM stop working. Other tools for cash equivalents include money market funds there are three types, and if you want to learn more, see the box for details. For larger amounts of money that we need to keep safe and liquid, you can buy into ultra-short-term investments called cash equivalents. The most well-known are good old money market funds. You may even already own one. These are basically mutual funds made up of low-risk, extremely short-term bonds and other kinds of debt, which you'll learn more about in a moment. They can be great because you get a somewhat higher rate of return than a boring old bank account, but you still get immediate access to your cash 24 hours a day, and there are some that even let you write checks. By the way, most banks offer money market deposit accounts, which are not the same as money market funds. These are like savings accounts where the banks are allowed to invest your money in short-term debt, and they pay you a slightly better interest rate in return. There's usually a minimum deposit required or other restrictions, low rates, and penalties if your balance falls too low. But they are insured by the FDIC, FDIC, which is a good thing. And that sets them apart from money market funds, which are not guaranteed and could potentially drop in value. But if you want to keep your money safe, liquid, and earning interest, one option is a U.S. Treasury money market fund with checking privileges. True, these funds aren't insured by the FDIC, but because they are tied only to U.S. government debt and not to any corporations or banks that might default, the only way you can lose your money is if the government fails to pay its short-term obligations. If that happens, there is no U.S. government, and all bets are off anyway. 2. Bonds we all know what a bond is, right? When I give you my bond, I give you my word. My promise. When I buy a bond, you give me your word your promise to return my money with a specific rate of interest after X period of time, the maturity date. That's why bonds are called fixed income investments. The income or return you'll get from them is fixed at the time you buy them, depending on the length of time you agree to hold them. And sometimes you can use those regular interest payments, dividends, as income while the bond matures. So it's like a simple IOU with benefits, right? But there are zillions of bonds and bond funds out there. Not all but many are rated by various agencies according to their levels of risk. At the end of this chapter, you'll find a quick bond briefing to find out when they can be hazardous to your financial health and when they can be useful even great. Investments 
Bonds can also be kind of confusing. Like a seesaw, they increase in value when interest rates go down, and decrease in value when rates go up. After all, who wants to buy an old low-interest rate bond when a shiny new bond with a higher interest rate comes on the market? But one way to avoid worrying so much about price fluctuations in bonds is to diversify and buy into a low-cost bond index fund. And just remember, not all bonds are equal. Greece's bonds are not going to be as strong as Germany's. Detroit's municipal bonds are not going to be as strong as the U.S. Treasury's. In fact, some investment advisors say the only completely safe bond is one backed by the full faith and credit of the United States. And you can actually buy U.S. bonds called Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, or TIPS, that rise in value to keep up with inflation through the Consumer Price Index. Again, we'll cover all of this in the bond briefing. And later I'll be showing you an amazing portfolio that uses bond funds in a totally unique way. But meanwhile, let's consider another fixed income investment that might belong in your security bucket. 3. CDs Remember them? With certificates of deposit, you're the one loaning the money to the bank. It takes your cash for a fixed rate of interest, and then returns it along with your earnings after a set amount of time. Because CDs are insured by the FDIC, they're as safe as savings accounts, and at the time of this writing just about as exciting. But I wrote this book for every season, season, and seasons keep changing. I don't know what season you're in now, but I can tell you this story. In 1981, when I was 21 years old, you could buy a 6-month CD for, wait for it, 17% interest. But you don't have to go that far back to see how some types of CDs, in the right environment, can give you quality returns. Remember the story of how my stronghold advisor got a small fixed rate on a CD in 2009, but it was a market-linked CD, which was attached to the growth of the stock market, and he averaged 8% interest over time. That was an unusually good deal, but there are still ways to get more bang for your buck, without risking your principal by investing in these market-linked CDs. You can go back to Chapter 2.8 for a recap about how they work. So how's our team of assets doing so far? CDs, cash, money market funds, and bonds would be obvious players for your security bucket. But when do you put them in the game? Some players will do well in some environments and poorly in others. What's the advantage of the cash player? The cash player can jump into the game anytime. You can keep your money safe and ready to deploy when the right investment comes along. On the other hand, if you hold too much money in cash, your spending power is not growing. In fact, it's shrinking due to inflation each year. But in deflationary times, like 2008, your cash will buy you more. If you had cash in 2008 and had the stomach to do it, you could have bought a home for almost 40% less than that same house cost the year before. By the way, that's what many hedge funds did. They bought tens of thousands of homes during the downtime, fixed them up and rented them, and then sold them between 2011 and 2014 for a big profit. Many stocks could be bought at a similar or even greater discount in 2008. What's the advantage of the bond player? Depending on the type of bond, you've got a guaranteed rate of return that gives you security when other asset class prices might be dropping. Regular CDs, as I'm writing this in 2014, probably don't interest you at all, and they don't interest me either. But that player can do well in high interest rate environments. And while market-linked CDs excel when the stock indexes are hot, they're rock-solid in every environment because you don't lose principal. Here is the downside of bonds. If you want to sell bonds before their maturity date, when you receive your full investment plus interest, and interest rates have risen significantly, and new bonds provide a higher rate of return, you will have to unload them at a discount. If all this seems incredibly complex, here's the good news. Ray Dalio has created a strategy called All Seasons, which will show you how to succeed with the right mix of bonds, equities, commodities, and gold in any economic season. We'll learn more about that later. First, understand that because secure bonds offer a promised or stated rate of return and a return of principal, they are more secure than investments that do not guarantee either the rate of return or the principal. 
but the promise is only as good as the bond issuer. The point here is that you need the right player for the right season and the right proportions and at the right time. Now let's take a look at a few other assets for your security bucket team you might not have thought of. Four. Your home goes in here too. Why? Because it's a sacred sanctuary. We shouldn't be spending our home. Americans have learned a hard lesson in recent years about the dangers of house flipping and using their homes like ATMs. A home, if it's your primary residence, shouldn't be seen as an investment to leverage, and it shouldn't be counted on to produce a gigantic return. But wait, haven't we always been told that your home is your best investment because it always goes up in value? In my search for answers, I sat down with the Nobel Prize, winning economist Robert Schiller, the leading expert on real estate markets, and creator of the Case-Shiller Home Price Index of Housing Prices. His breakthrough insights were used to create the following chart. Schiller found that when he adjusted for inflation, U.S. housing prices have been nearly flat for a century. He exploded one of the biggest myths of our time, that home prices keep going up and up. Unless there's a bubble, he told me. And we all know what eventually happens to bubbles. On the other hand, owning your home with a fixed-rate mortgage is a hedge against inflation, and there's a tax advantage. What's more, if you own a home outright, and you rent out all or part of it, it can be a safe way to earn some income. Also, as you'll soon learn, there are some great ways to invest in real estate like first trust deeds, REITs, real estate investment trusts, senior housing, income-producing properties, and so on. So nobody's suggesting that you give up on real estate investments if that's what you like to do. But it's probably a good rule of thumb to put them in the next bucket we're going to talk about, the risk-slash-growth bucket. Meanwhile, what other assets might belong in security? 5. Your pension. Got one? This bucket is the place to keep it if you're one of the lucky few. Remember the example of Dr. Alicia Munnell, director of the Center of Retirement Research at Boston College? She liquidated her pension and took an early payout, thinking she could invest and get a higher return than her past employer, the Federal Reserve. She learned the hard way that you don't want to risk your lifetime income plan, and now she shares her story as a warning to others. 6. Annuities If you're young and you hear this word, you may think this doesn't have any value for you. In the past, they took a lot of money, and you had to be a certain age in order to tap into these investment tools. But as you'll learn in Chapter 5.3, Freedom, Creating Your Lifetime Income Plan, there are some new tools you can arm yourself with. Remember, these investments are insurance products that can give you a guaranteed income for life. They're like private pensions if they're done right. But as we've discussed, most annuities out there are terrible investments with high fees and ridiculous penalties. Most variable annuities should come with more warnings than a Viagra commercial. But you can find a few select annuities which you will learn about in Section 5 that, that are so safe and affordable that many experts call them the holy grail of retirement income solutions. How's that? They can give the kind of returns you enjoy in your risk-slash-growth bucket within the safety of your security bucket. A guaranteed income that will last your lifetime and never go down in value. 7. At least one life insurance policy belongs in your security bucket and you don't mess with it. Why? Got a family? If you die, your family will be taken care of. Term life will suffice for most people. However, another type of life insurance policy, described in Section 5, can provide you with an income for life, tax-free, while you're still alive. And if structured correctly, it can also provide enormous tax efficiency. The largest corporations and the ultra-wealthy have been using this IRS-sanctioned approach for decades. Be sure to check out Chapter 5.5 for details on how to use this tool to perhaps cut the time it takes to get to your financial goals by 25% to 50% depending on your tax bracket. 8. Structured Notes These products have been called engineered safety for investors. Structured notes are like market-linked CDs, but they aren't covered by FDIC insurance. How do they work? 
You lend money to a bank usually one of the biggest banks in the world, and the bank promises to give you back the money after a specified period of time, plus a percentage of whatever gains accumulate in a particular index, say, the S&P 500 minus the dividends commodities, gold, REITs, or a combination. For example, at the time of this writing, JP Morgan has a 7-year structured note with 100% downside protection, meaning you'll never lose your original investment, plus it gives you 90% of the upside gain of the S&P 500. No wonder, as you learned in Chapter 2.8, the ultra-wealthy often use this tool to invest. The right kind of structured note can be a great way to participate in the upside of the market without worrying about the downside especially at a stage of life when you can't afford to take such volatility risks. When I sat down with Mary Callahan Erdos, CEO of JP Morgan Asset Management, with $2.5 trillion under management, she told me structured notes can be good investment choices, particularly for people afraid to put their money in anything after the financial meltdown of 2008. And they're not a gimmick. A lot of times, people will look at a structured note and say, that looks too good to be true, she told me. But you need to understand the product from start to finish. There are no gimmicks, there are no gadgets, it's just math in the markets. The longer you don't need liquidity, the more the market will pay you for that. If you're going to put your money away for 7 years, you should be able to get that much upside. So do structured notes belong in your security bucket? The structured note is only as secure as the bank that issues it. Erdos made it clear that JP Morgan was the largest bank in the world. Some fiduciaries will recommend the Royal Bank of Canada or other Canadian banks, since they have been rated as some of the best and safest in the world. The United States saw more than 9,400 banks collapse during the Great Depression, and almost 500 in the recent Great Recession. Not one bank failed in Canada. So, as always, you have to weigh the benefits against the risk and make your own decision. Also, watch out for fees and complicated contracts. As we said in Chapter 2.8, structured notes can be a terrible product, just like mutual funds, if there are too many fees attached. If the issuer is fiscally strong, you won't lose your money. But if the timing is off, you won't make any money in that time period. So this is more of a secure protection strategy. It's best to talk over this investment with your fiduciary advisor before jumping in. Time is on your side. Phew. That was a lot. But remember, if your head is exploding with all these choices, you're not in this alone. You can have your complimentary asset allocation and full portfolio review done for you online this site or by your own fiduciary advisor. But it's important to understand the concept of asset allocation and which investments are available for each of these buckets so that your overall portfolio your group of investments reflects your goals and level of risk tolerance. That way you're still running the show. At every decision point, you'll be thinking, how much am I risking and how much am I keeping secure? That's where the game is won or lost. And, as you've already seen, the biggest challenge for your security bucket today is, what is really secure? We know the world has changed and even conservative savers have been forced into riskier and riskier investments by crazy low interest rates. It's tempting to shoot for bigger returns, especially when the stock market is galloping. You may start thinking, I'll never get where I need to go from here. But you can if you're willing to play the long game. And especially if you find some investments that guarantee returns without risking principle which you'll learn about soon. Just like in that old Rolling Stones song, time is on your side when it comes to growing your wealth. And time is certainly the greatest asset for the security bucket even if you start later in life. After all, more and more of us are living into our 80s and 90s, so our investments can mature along with us. And if you're Generation X, Y, or Z yes, there is a Generation Z, the post-millennials, you're way ahead of the game. You can start with a tiny amount and let the magic of compounding get you where you want to go so much easier. What happens to the money in your security bucket reminds me of an old gambler's trick on the golf course. The gambler tells his mark, you play golf? I just started playing and I'm no good. You want to play 10 cents a hole? So the guy says, sure, great. 
On the way to the first hole, the gambler says, you know, 10 cents is kind of boring. Just to make it more fun, why don't we just double the bet every hole? The first hole is 10 cents, the second hole is 20 cents, the third hole is 40. By the time they get to the fifth, fifth hole, it's $1.60. The sixth hole is $3.20, and they're only one-third of the way through 18 holes. By the time they get to the 18th hole, how much are they playing for? How about $13,107? That's a steep golf bet, even for Donald Trump. And that's the magic of compounding in action. It's also what happens when you're investing in your security bucket over the long haul. You reinvest the interest you make and, for a long time, there seems to be no progress at all. But you get to the 13th hole, and then the 14th, and then the 16th, and then it explodes. Take a look at the chart on page 312. That's the exponential progression that will work for you. Of course, sitting tight is a challenge for this generation. As a society, we're wired for instant rewards, and waiting for the assets in our security bucket to increase in value can initially feel like watching grass grow. And that's why we get tempted into putting too much of our money into the next bucket, risk-slash-growth. But not everything in your security bucket has to be dull as dishwater. If you have a talented and connected fiduciary advisor, he or she can show you how to take some of these boring security tools and eke out a more reasonable return, or even a significant return if you find the right environment. Here's just one example of what my stronghold advisor found for me, and it's an asset that most people wouldn't normally put in their security bucket, a residential real estate loan. It starts with a guy building a house in Indian Wells, California, who ran into some financial trouble and had to sell it to a group of investors. Ever hear of Indian Wells? It's like the Beverly Hills of Palm Springs, which is one of the highest income environments per capita in the United States. The city is beautiful, with extraordinary weather, surrounded by golf courses and resorts an amazing place to own a home or a vacation home. The investment company that bought the guy's house buys up dozens of properties, so it needs a lot of cash, but the company doesn't need it for long because it fixes up and resells the houses quickly. To keep the money flowing, the company needs investors to give it short-term loans in exchange for first deeds of trust on the properties it holds. Ever hear about first trust deeds? If you own a home and have a mortgage, a financial institution loaned you the money to buy your house, and you gave it your bond to pay it back at a certain rate of return. However, if you don't keep your word and fail to keep up the payments, the entity that owns the mortgage or trust deed has the right to force you to sell and it continues to receive interest until a new owner takes over. As an investor, I look for ways to get maximum rewards in a secure environment a first trust deed structured properly can be perfect for this purpose. My advisor and I found out that the real estate investment company was offering the first deed of trust on that house in Indian Wells as collateral on a $1 million loan, which would pay 10% interest for one year. It was willing to have one investor take this on, or as many as 25, each contributing $40,000. In the end, I decided to invest in the full $1 million myself. You might say, wow, that's a great deal. You get a $100,000 profit to tie up your money for just one year. But Tony, what's your risk? That's exactly why we did a lot of research. The home, we learned after two qualified appraisals, was worth $2 million in its current state. So if I'm loaning $1 million, that loan has a 50% loan-to-value ratio, right? Even if the company defaults, my $1 million is secure because the value of the property property is $2 million. This was a pretty great deal, but I've also bought deeds of trust on smaller homes. Say I'd found a starter home in the Midwest that was worth $80,000. If I could get the mortgage for for $40,000 at 50% loan to value, I might make the loan. The Indian Wells deal was similar, only on a larger scale. So I decided to go for it, and I put that investment in my security bucket. Okay, I can already hear you saying, wait a minute, Tony. What if the market drops? Doesn't that investment belong in your risk-slash-growth bucket? 
That's a great question because we've just been through one of the worst real estate crashes in history. And on the surface, it looks like you'd probably put this in your risk bucket. But here's why I think it's a safe investment. In 2008, when the real estate market just went through the floor, and the world was upside down, the prices of houses in most parts of the United States dropped 30% to 40%, maximum. There were a few exceptions, such as some parts of Las Vegas, Phoenix, and Miami, where the prices dropped more than 50%. But all of those places had massive price growth right before the bubble burst. The Indian Wells area didn't experience that size of bubble, and while prices dropped 31% from 2008 to 2010, far below the 50% mark, the biggest loss in a single year was only 13.6%, from 2008 to 2009. And remember, we're loaning for only one year. So if residential real estate didn't take anything close to a 50% hit in Indian Wells in 2008, it's not likely to happen this year. That's why I decided to move forward with this as the investment to put in my security bucket. It's the place where you have to be cautious. But it doesn't have to be totally boring. And sometimes the returns can be very nice, 8% to 10%, whereas many people typically settle for 1% to 4% returns in the security bucket, if you do your homework. It is my contention that Aesop was writing for the tortoise market. Hares have no time to read. Anita Bruckner, boredom comes from a boring mind. The struggle within, Metallica. Now, what if that same company offered me a 12% return to invest in that $2 million property, but for the better rate, it wanted me to loan it $1.5 million instead of $1 million. That would make the loan-to-value ratio 75%. Obviously, I'd get a greater return by taking a greater risk. It means if the market dropped by 25% or more, I might lose some of my investment. Not likely, but possible. So if I was willing to take the extra risk for an increase in returns, it might be something I'd consider. But I would not put this investment in my security bucket. It belongs in the next bucket you're about to discover, the one that should be wrapped in yellow caution tape and handled with oven mitts, because if you approach it the wrong way, I guarantee you're going to get burned. But handled effectively, it can speed up your journey to financial freedom. By now you can see why asset allocation is an art, not a science. The idea of security is totally subjective. Some people think nothing is safe. Others can live with a tiny bit of risk and still feel secure. So you've got to look at each investment on an individual basis. The real payoff of asset allocation comes when you figure out the right mix of how much of your money you keep safe and how much you're willing to risk to get greater rewards and have the potential to grow faster. In investing, that's where you live or die, succeed or fail. So what percentage do you think you should put in your security bucket in safe investments? One-third? Half? Two-thirds? Failure to secure a significant portion of your hard-earned money in safe investments can spell financial disaster. Conversely, putting too much in this bucket can significantly slow your growth. How do we find the right balance? Balance. That's what we've been working toward. And now that we've locked down the foundation for security, it's time to really get in the game. It's time to play to win. As a quick note, bonds can be such a potentially important investment for your security bucket that I wanted to give you a quick bond briefing that might be well worth your review. If now's not the right time, remember this is here as a reference for you, and skip over to the next chapter. Keep up the momentum. We're on our way to bigger risks and potentially bigger rewards. A few words about bonds gentlemen prefer bonds. Andrew Mellon not that long ago, bonds were supposed to be the safest, most reliable form of investment. They were the big guns in the portfolios of the ultra-wealthy, and the bedrock of your security-slash-peace-of-mind bucket for the average investor. But bonds have taken a bad rap in recent years, and for good reason. With the US government keeping interest rates insanely low, and some of the companies, cities, and even nations that issue bonds teetering on the brink or even going bankrupt they don't seem like such a great deal to everyone anymore. But most experts still think bonds are an important part of your investment mix. 
In fact, they're the foundation of the mind-blowing portfolio that works in all economic climates, which you'll learn about in Chapter 5.1. So let's look at the basic kinds of bonds out there to see what can be great about them and also what to watch out for. U.S. Treasury Bonds Many investment experts, including Yale's asset allocation wizard David Swenson, feel that the safest bonds are good old U.S. Treasuries because they are backed by the full faith and credit of the government. David told me, treasury bonds are really there as an anchor for the portfolio. But because these bonds are so safe from default, they have smaller returns. And like other, less secure bonds, they can fluctuate in price based on outside events particularly how much inflation or deflation is happening at the moment.